As I worked my way through chapters from Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 11, I found when I got to Genesis chapter 12, the story of Abraham, I greatly relaxed. There was a joy that came over me when I got to Abraham. There were other great men before Abraham, but Abraham had the distinction of being called by God, and he was going to be the example for us of having faith in God, and he was going to be the father of many nations and the way the Gentiles came in to the New Testament in the form of the New Testament church. The Gentiles who were selected by God for salvation and ordained by God for salvation, the Gentiles came from Abraham, Abraham being that father of many nations. But we know that Abraham was a great man of faith, hearing from God and doing what God said. Let's look back just a little bit at the creation and summarize the creation. We know Adam was created by God from the dust of the ground. In Genesis chapter 1, we see that first God created everything the man and the woman would need to sustain their life on this earth. The heavens and the earth were created by God, the solar system, the sun, the moon, the stars, the trees, the plants, the animals, the fish, the fowl, were all created and set up by God before he created Adam. And then God created man and in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, we see, And God said, and all the way through these recordings, these podcasts, that's going to be the focal point. What God said. Man says many things, but what God says is our focal point. And this is what our focal point for this life should be. What has God said about this thing that we are doing? So from this point on, we are going to see a lot of the things that God said to various individuals. As God created man, we read, and God said, and that would be to Jesus, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. Genesis one twenty seven, In the image of God created he, him, male and female, created he, them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them. So here again, we focus on what God said. 
He said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over everything that moveth upon the earth. Verse 31, Genesis 1, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. It was very good. Everything was very good. We know, of course, that Adam and Eve disobeyed God. That's going to happen very quickly. And by Adam, the natural man, all sin came upon this earth. By Jesus Christ, the Son of God, his obedience, all men had a way of escape from their sins. But God saw everything was very good that he originally created. The one difference was man. It was He was good when God created him. But then man disobeyed God. And disobeying God for any one of us is the thing that brings corruption to our lives and the lives of those around us. Genesis chapter 2 verse 7 And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Verse 18 And the Lord God said again paying close attention to what God said It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. God brought all of the animals who had already been created in front of Adam for Adam to name them. God has already said man would have dominion over those animals. Have you ever noticed that if you have an animal, if you have a pet, Have you ever noticed when you name that animal, it's like you're taking that animal to be your own and you have a dominion over that specific animal when you name it? Well, listen to this part of the creation of woman. First of all, God said to Adam, God had Adam name all of the animals. Every animal that was brought before God Adam, and Adam named the animals. Then God said, though, that he found no helpmeet for Adam, and he would create a helpmeet for Adam. Verses 21-22, Genesis chapter 2, And the Lord God caused, caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, And he slept, and he, he, God, took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman 
and God brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Notice that Adam named her woman. This was just foreseeing he would have dominion over her after the transgression. She was to be his helpmeet. She was created by God to be a helpmeet for Adam, to help her husband. And her husband would have rule over her, and her desire would be to her husband. Sadly, in so many cases, the woman feels unfulfilled. I believe these are devils that make her feel that way. And she wants to go out and work. It's all right for the woman to go out and work as long as she and her husband both agree to it and she has the permission of God. As long as God permits her to do this, as long as she turns to him and he puts her in this situation and her husband agrees with her. But primarily her fulfillment is in the role for which she was created by God, a helpmeet for her husband. Now, there are some women who will not marry. I happen to be one of those. I wanted to marry very much. And I knew God was removing from me the men that I was dating. I knew God was shutting the door on it. And I was angry with God. Even after I was born again, I was angry with God over this. Finally, I was about 42 years old when I finally accepted that I would not marry and that I would do this ministry work. I don't believe I could have done the ministry work and been married. That's just in my case. Another woman might do ministry work and be married. But in my case, I don't believe I could because my calling was apostle prophet. Those are so strong. Those callings are so strong. You're going to have to rule over church doctrine. You're going to have to deliver messages of correction that upset people. All of the things prophets do, the church gets very upset usually when a prophet does something because, well, I'll give you this story. I was having coffee with a couple of women, and one of them was talking about their church. And she said, Pastor is building a new church building. And there was a woman in our church who's just so against what Pastor is doing. Why do you suppose that would happen? Out of my mouth came these words. Maybe she's a prophet. I didn't think that over to answer that. It just rose up from within me, I believe, by the Spirit of God. Now, a woman could be a prophet and marry. Uh, Anna was. We have the example in the New Testament Bible of Anna the prophetess, and she was the, the wife of one man. Deborah had a husband. She was a judge over Israel. 
in Judges, I believe, chapter 4. But I believe in my case, for some reason, this wasn't compatible with what I would be doing. And I even tried after I agreed with God to go his way and do what he wanted. As late as the age of 65 or 66, I was even engaged at that late in life. But it didn't work out. And looking back on it, I could see that I was going to have to do some things that were basically incompatible with having any human rule over me, any man rule over me, as is normal for a woman. But I fully support the ordination and the assignment that God gave woman, that she would be a helpmeet for her husband. That's what she's created to be. And she's created from the man. It's all set up that way. But in individual cases, it might not happen that way. But as long as everything is ordained by God and set up by, in your life by God, and it is the call of God on you, then I see no problem. In Genesis chapter 2, we see verse 24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. After Adam, multitudes of men and women, sons and daughters, were born on this earth. Multitudes. Adam had a son named Seth. He had children. As we know, Abel was murdered by his brother Cain. But Adam had three sons who are named in the Bible. That doesn't mean he didn't have more sons and daughters. But he had three who were named in the Bible. His firstborn was Cain. His secondborn was Abel. And then after the death of Abel, after Cain slew Abel, God replaced Abel with giving Adam and Eve another child named Seth. And Seth is named in the generations of those children of God. But many sons and daughters are born of the humans that remained on the earth during their lifetime. Cain had sons and daughters. Cain married and had sons and daughters. After he was cast out of the sight of Adam and Eve, he had descendants. Genesis chapter 4, verses 16, 17. And Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bare Enoch. And he built a city and called the name of the city after the name of his son, Enoch. And to Enoch was born Ered, and Ered begat Mahuyah, and Mahuyah begat Methuselah, Methuselah begat Lamish, and Lamish took unto him two wives, 
the name of the one Ada, and the name of the other Scylla. And Ada bare Jabel, and he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle, and his brother's name was Jubal. So we have many, many, many people on the face of the earth before the days of Noah. I don't think we've, I've ever sat and thought about this, but these people that were born to Adam and came through Adam, these people went out and married and had children, and their children had children, and their children had children. And hundreds of years passed before the time of Noah. By the time Noah, his generation, was on the earth, we know that God looked upon the earth and God saw that the heart of man was wicked even from his youth. It was stated in Genesis chapter 6, and God was sorry he had created man. But Noah found grace in the sight of God. But the first person that I see that is named in the Bible who was actually called by God is Abraham. He is our very strong example of being called by God. Genesis chapter 12. And the Lord God had said unto Abram, he wasn't renamed as Abraham until later. Now look carefully at what God said to Abraham. Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. Abraham believed it was God speaking to him. There was only this small amount of things that Abraham had to do. Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I would show thee. Abraham didn't know where he was going at the time he left his father's house. It must have seemed crazy to his father and to his relatives. But Abram departed as the Lord God had said. The only thing God told him to do was to leave, depart. God made some promises to Abraham. He said, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. The disciples were so shocked when they realized that God had called the Gentiles. And yet they had these scriptures, these Old Testament scriptures, they had the scriptures to refer to, and they could see that the Gentiles were going to come to God at the right time when it was God's time. And yet they were shocked when it happened. They weren't even allowed to go in the home of a Gentile. And here Peter has gone 
to the home of Cornelius because God revealed to Cornelius to send for a man named Simon and told him exactly where he lived and it was a house by the seashore in this village and then God showed Peter at the same time that he was not to call unclean what God has cleansed. He gave Peter that vision of the animals coming down on a sheet, and Peter was hungry. And God said to him, Rise, Peter, and kill and eat. And Peter said, Oh, no, I've never eaten anything unclean. And the angel of the Lord sent by God, it's the same as God speaking to him, told him, Call not that common which God has cleansed. And then Peter came out of his trance because he was in a trance. And at the same time that he came out of his trance, Cornelius's men were at the front door of Peter's house. And they weren't Jews. They were Gentiles. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Peter. And this is the same as God speaking. Spoke to Peter and said, Three men are at your door. Go with them and fear nothing. Don't be concerned. When God sets something up, we frequently find that he has gone before us and has created the situation which will work according to his will. And in this case, we strongly see how God set it up for Peter to go to the house of Cornelius to tell the household of Cornelius of Jesus, who had already been taken into heaven at that time. I believe this is in Acts chapter 10, if you want to read that. To me, there's so much of the Old Testament that carries over into the New Testament. And you see that connection there. When the Gentiles were accepted by God and brought forth by God to the New Testament church, that goes all the way back to Abraham, who was the father of many nations. Now let's read Genesis 12 once again and focus on what God said to Abraham. God said, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all nations, all families of the earth be blessed. And what was the next thing that happened? Let's read about it in Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. That was Abram's nephew. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son 
and all their substance that they had gathered, cattle, the sheep, everything they'd gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, the servants, the people who worked for Abraham. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. They didn't stay there immediately. They went from place to place. We see it traced in the Old Testament, starting at Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 6. And Abram passed through the land into the plain of Moriah, and the Canaanite was there in the land. Instead of Moriah, I think that's Mora, Mora. M-O-R-E-H. I certainly can't pronounce all these names. And the Lord appeared again unto Abram. I've heard people at churches say, Oh, an angel appeared to me. And they took great delight in what they thought was an angel appearing to them. But I never heard anybody say, An angel appeared unto me and said such and such. I've heard people say God appeared to me. But what did he say? That's what's important. It could be a false vision that just made you have a sensation. I often wondered about this angel that people kept reporting at Word of Faith. They would say, oh, an angel appeared to me last night. And that was all they said. They never did say that the angel said anything. Here we see the report, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, there was a message, not just a feeling, a message. Now, I think there's some substance when there's a message. If an angel appeared to you and spoke to you or did something, that's worth telling about. But to just delight in the fact that you think an angel has appeared to you, that could be a false vision. There's no evidence at all to support your basis. Actually, Jesus warns us in the last days to be very careful about such things. Matthew 24. I'm sure many people have had false visions in the churches and have reported false visions in the churches. The whole story of Joan of Arc, as I understand it, was a Catholic story based on a vision. Visions can be from God. Visions can be, I believe they can be from other sources too. I know there can be false prophets and false teachers and false words. And Paul speaks at one point about people being ministers of Satan, apostles of Satan, ministers of Satan, not of God, called by Satan. I think that might be in the Second Corinthians chapter 11. It is in chapter 11, 2 Corinthians 11. Paul spoke of these ministers of Satan. Verse 12, But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, 
they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, not called by God, not given the Spirit of God, not given the Word of God. They're false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan comes making us think that, oh, this is a great revelation. But often it's opposite from the Bible. And it takes you in a way opposite to the scriptures. And Paul says, therefore, it's no great thing if Satan's ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness. They look like they're a minister of righteousness, but their end will be according to their works. Paul speaks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, starting at verse 12. Back to Genesis chapter 12, verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, See, this is what's important. It's not just seeing a vision of a form and thinking that's God. It's what he says to you that you want to focus on. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Now, Abraham has no children at that point. And he's 75 years old, traveling out into a land that he doesn't even know where he's going. And he's left his father's house and his relatives. But God said to him a second time, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there Abram built an altar unto the Lord. God spoke first. Then Abram was righteous as he followed God. Righteousness simply means you've heard from God and you're doing what he said. Therefore, your righteousness is of God when that's the case. It's always God speaking first. And Abram removed thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel. He didn't really have a solid place. He was wandering around from place to place. God didn't tell him exactly where to go at that point, but God was with him because he was called by God. And we see in verse 9, And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. But the important focal point is what God said, what God said to Abraham, what God has said to you, what God has said to those people who report seeing angels. Well, what did the angel say? I I didn't know enough to ask that at the time this was going on, but I would today. I would say, well, what did the angel say? There was a man who came here to exterminate bugs, and he began telling about how he goes out on ministry trips with a friend of his who's a prophet in the summers. 
He wanted to tell me places he went to. Well, that won't do any good for me to hear that. I interrupted him and I said, how did God show you to do this work? He was speechless. He really didn't, couldn't tell me how God showed him to do the work. That would have been interesting to me. That would have been important to me. And that would have established in my heart that this man was of God. But to simply tell me what you've done, that doesn't tell me anything about God. You can go to church and you can go down to the altar and you can do what you say is receiving Jesus. It doesn't tell me one thing about what God has said to you. I want to hear what God has said to you. That's the real thing. That is the evidence of our salvation. On the night of January the 10th, 1980, I was asleep in the night. And a very loud trumpet-like voice spoke three words into my ear. Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. I jumped out of bed and wrote KWJS on a notepad because I didn't want to get those letters mixed up because I thought they were probably call letters to either radio or television. When I looked it up, it was a radio station. And I said to God, are you telling me to go on radio? I wouldn't know how to do that. And I heard, call the radio station manager. I heard it in the form of a thought. It was the Holy Spirit telling me what to do. I called KWJS. They said, make a recording, an audition tape, 29 and a half minutes long. Send it to us. And if you fit our programming, we'll offer you a contract. I was broadcasting on radio within five days of hearing that word, Hartford, Seattle, KWJS. At the end of approximately one year, I was on radio from Hartford to Seattle, from New York City to Seattle, and places in between. Do I have evidence of a call of God on my life? Do I have evidence? of God setting this up? I believe that was an angel of God who spoke that. Angels frequently are described as having very strong trumpet-like voices. I've taken note of that because that's what I heard that night. It was like a trumpet blowing in your ear, except it was words. They were very important because by those words, God put me on radio in the early years of the ministry. That's where he started with me, is by putting me on radio. Well, Abraham heard from God, depart from your house. I'm going to make of you a great nation. And yet he had no children, and he was 75 years old. And he was wandering out there in the lands, going from place to place. And every once in a while, God would speak to him. It's just like us. Every once in a while, God brings me a word by his spirit or a dream or an angel like that that happened in the night. I didn't see the angels, but I heard it. And that's the important thing. It's hearing the message. The Holy Spirit comes to bring us a message, to comfort us. We hear from God frequently. Often we don't know it's God at the time. One time, my housekeeper asked me about homosexuals, and I read to her 
Romans chapter 1, verse 26 through 28. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. That's about homosexuals and lesbians. After I read that to this cleaning woman, she said, but what about those that say they were born homosexual? I didn't have an answer for her, but about two or three days later, God gave me the answer to that question. He called to my attention by his spirit a scripture in Mark to answer that. Mark chapter 10. It's in verse 6. Jesus is speaking and says, From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Now we've already seen in Romans how they were turned over unto vile affections to do those things that are not convenient. That God turned them over to vile affections to do those things which are not convenient. Now we see they were made male and female from the beginning, but along the way they were turned over by God to vile affection because they didn't acknowledge God. You can read all of Romans 1 and see that. God speaks to us. When we belong to God, he gives us information. He reminds us of scripture by his spirit. He speaks to us. The angel could speak to us. But seeing an angel won't do you any good unless that angel does something. Now that angel came to Peter when he was in prison and he smote Peter and said, get up. He was chained between two men. His chains fell off and the angel told him, quickly follow me. See, he told him things. He showed him things. He did things. But just to see an angel... I can't think of places in the Bible where they just saw an angel. At the tomb of Jesus, there was an angel. They saw him. He was wearing very, very bright garments, cleaner than anything would ever make the garment, brighter than anything would ever make the garment. And in that case, and that was what it described the angel as. But the angel also spoke to the women in that setting and gave them information about Jesus. Unless there's information from the Spirit saying that, it's, that you believe to be from God, unless there's something, substance, and it fits the Bible, you have to question whether that was from God. And if it was, God will establish that with you. But it's not just a matter of some sensation going through your body. To make you think that God appeared to you. Where's the word? The word is always the key. How did God show you to do this? That's always a key. 
Well, God spoke to Abraham and told him these things. And Abraham believed it was God. And it was God. But there are false prophets. There are false visions. There are false apostles. There are false words. There are false ministers who seem like an angel of light but are really ministers of Satan. Prove all things. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. Abram was called by God and all these things happened in his life. The most amazing thing being that he had a child when he was 100 years old and Sarah was 90. It was the child of the promise of God and that child is the heir and through that we who are the elect of God can trace our history all the way back because we are of the promise of God, not of the flesh of man, but of the promise of God. It's not a matter of going forth and being baptized or going forth and receiving Jesus. It is a matter that God called us and spoke to us and caused us to be a Christian, and God changed us. There are so many false people in the churches. They don't mean to be false. They think they're of God. But they really don't have the Spirit of God. They don't ever say anything to us. They don't ever tell us anything except what they did. And in the end times, we are going to see a great increase in this. For Jesus warned us about this very thing in Matthew 24, verses 3 and 4. That this is one of the signs of the end time. They will come saying, Jesus is the Christ, and they will deceive many. And Jesus says, be not deceived. But they will come, and they're all around us. You'll know them by their fruits, by what they say. What does God say to them? What do they report as hearing from God? Granted, they, should, they could give a false report. But most of them don't ever give you any report. They just silently sit there saying they are God, but they don't give you anything that God's ever said to them. They show no evidence whatsoever. Abram was called by God, and we see what he did, and we see the examples in the Bible of God speaking to Abram. I used to go over these things all the time, looking at the way God talked to Abraham. That is the evidence, and what Abram did by following God and believing it was God caused him to be acting by faith. His faith was that he believed God had spoken to him. That was Abram's faith, and he did what God said, even to the point of giving up his only son. Thank you for allowing me to speak with you today.